Thanks for joining us for today's message from our series, Belong. During this series, we're discovering what it means for us as believers to be a part of the family of God. It's one of our greatest privileges and also one of our greatest responsibilities. We're always so encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives all around the world through what He's doing right here at Meadowbrook. So if that's you and you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send us an email at godstories.nbcocala.org. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so by giving online. Thanks so much for joining us and prepare your hearts to hear from God. And help me welcome our internet audience, if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we're wrapping up a series this morning called Belong. Everybody say belong. And this is our sixth week on that. And we're going to land this thing today. And I just pray that you'll keep your heart and your mind just ready for what the Lord has for us today. Next week is Palm Sunday. And I will be doing a message called Hosanna. And I'm just uh, thrilled about what we're going to be sharing there. Special music next week as well. And, um, and then that following week is Come and See, um, which are the, the words that the angel said uh, to the ladies at the tomb. Come and see. And uh, everything changed. Everything changed. And so make sure that you, you come and see as well. Amen. Well, um, belong. I believe that God has, and I've told you this every week, but this is our starting point. I believe that God put in me, in you, in every one of us, this desire, this need that is so strong, it becomes a drive to want to belong. We want to be accepted. We want to be included. Uh, I've mentioned it several weeks that sometimes that drive is so strong that we can belong wrong and give in to peer pressure, uh, compromise your own values even so you can fit in with somebody. Um, and we have to be very, very careful that we end up where we belong. Right. You know, it's in all of us. It happens all the time. You know, if you've ever been like at a, a din- dinner party and you're standing in one corner talking with two boring people and then there's like five, six others in the other corner and they're laughing and having a good time. Guess where you want to be, you know, so you fake a coffin spit uh, fit. So you can, <laughs> And then you're better by the time you get to the other corner, you know, happy corner. Just don't want to be left out. And um, it impacts us in huge, huge ways. And I believe as believers, first of all, the reality that we belong, but also then the responsibility is that we want to reach out and help to include others and help other people to belong. Uh, The scripture says that God puts the solitary into family. And uh, he said back in Genesis, it's not good for man, any man, any person to be what? to be alone. And, um, so he wants us in family, the ultimate highest expression, the most fulfillment that can possibly come in belonging is found when we belong to God. We find in scripture, a number of pictures, if you will, metaphors of belonging, um, because he's wanting to get that point across. He uses the idea of family. It would be part of the family and he'd be our father. Um, the body, He's the head of the body and we're, we're the body shepherd and sheep, uh, vine and branches, uh, bride and groom. I mean, it's just all over the scripture and, uh, we've looked at a number of those. And so I believe that when we actually belong to God, think about this. I, it just assumes, it just speaks to the fact that you're in a growing relationship with God. 
Okay, y'all have had more time to sleep and rest than anybody else this morning, okay? So I just believe it speaks to the fact that you're in a growing relationship with God. It's not just, um, you know, you signed up for something and you carry a card, I belong to God. It, this impacts you, that you belong to God. It is not without impact. And therefore, I think it leads to this growing relationship with God. There is no other connection that you can have that addresses your needs, your hurts, your emptiness. There's no other place we can belong that addresses your past, your potential, your future. And so I think by us belonging to God, we, here's evidences of it, that we are uh, more and more coming to wholeness. How many of you know that we need wholeness? Yes. And we're more and more coming to wholeness. He's restoring our soul. We're more and more free from sin. Okay, I'm about to do a take two on all y'all here. Okay. We are more and more free from sin. We are more and more like Jesus. Uh, we are more and more happy, stable, fruitful, blessed so that we can be more and more a blessing and bring more and more glory to God. And I just think that comes out of it. It's been said, and I posted it this week, without Christ bearing fruit is impossible. With Christ bearing fruit is inevitable. And when we're plugged into him, John 15, Jesus said this, without me, you can do nothing. We've got to belong to him. We've got to be plugged into him. I, I, uh, I'm a tea drinker, a hot tea drinker. Uh, I love the smell of coffee. But I don't like coffee. I like making my wife coffee. I like buying coffee. I love going in a cafe or coffee shop. I love the smell of it. I just can't stand the taste of it. <laughs> Neither can you because y'all give me eight pumps of that. You know, y'all, y'all, <laughs> y'all. And you won't even call it coffee. All kinds of names you make up for it. You know, Java Latte, Coca Cabana, whatever you call it. But up in my, in my office, I've got this um, uh, pot that makes um, hot water. And you just push a button and within about a minute or so, you can, you can hear it, you know, warming up. And then it'd beep at me, you know. And so this morning I got in, I, I pushed my little button all excited and nothing. So I lean over and I go, what's going on? It didn't answer. I know we have a problem here. So, so I look at it, everything it looks right it, and, and the cord and it's going down back over the counter. So it looks like everything's right. And then I followed the cord a little bit further and guess what? It's not plugged in. And you know what? We can be that same way. We even kind of follow our cord a little bit. Well, I, I think they're plugged in, you know, and if we're not really plugged in belonging to him, and when we are belonging to him, then, then I think there's this life flow that happens in us. It's inevitable you're going to be coming more and more to wholeness. More and more. I, I know I'm repeating. I'm doing it on purpose. More and more free from sin. More and more like Jesus. More and more happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. Being a blessing and bring glory to God. Why? Because we belong to him. Plugged into him. I want you to notice this. Look with me in, in John chapter 15. Verse 1. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the, and note this, I am the true vine. Make note of that. 
I'll come back to it. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. He takes care of, of, of the vine and everything connected with it. Verse, verse four, abide in me. This in the New Testament Greek, the Amplified Bible brings it out, means to be remain vitally united. What does vital mean? It means life depends upon it. Life depends upon it. Abide in me and I in you. Like your life depends upon it. Because it does. As the branch, that's us, cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, vitally united. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Look in verse 5. I am the vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. There's another beautiful picture of belonging. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do what? Nothing. You know, every year, uh, close to the end of the school year, we have, we have an academy, uh, grades K-5 through 12, fully accredited academy. Uh, every year toward the end of the school year, I like to have a meeting with all the seniors. Um, because they, before they leave us and get out from under our care, there's a few things I, I want to at least make sure this got said to you. This is one of them right here. I want them to know that as they go out into life, apart from him, they can do nothing. And how, how vital that that connection is. And I'm telling you this morning, I'm telling me this morning, apart from him, we can do nothing. It's, it's belonged to him. Now, I drew your attention to that first verse where Jesus said, I am the true vine. New Testament is written in Greek and that word true there gives an indication that, that there is also something that is false or counterfeit. And so if he's the true vine, he's warning us that there are other things you might try to attach to that can never give you the life flow that the true vine can. And that's where we've got to be careful that we don't plug our life into so many things or unplug completely and there is no life flow. And there's only one place you're going to get that. And that's through that relationship of belonging with God. Can you say amen this morning? Well, the big idea for this morning is this God's plan a God's plan. A. Everybody say that God's plan a. Now, follow me on this because I'm going to unfold a number of things. I'm going to introduce kind of some new thoughts uh, for us as well. God's plan a is the church. Okay. But God's plan a is the church done right. And church done right is the hope of the world. And that's why it's God's plan a, I got saved when I was about, uh, sixth grade. We were pretty much bona fide heathen to that point. And there's little mixes of religion and different things in, into our life, but pretty much very uh, broken, dysfunctional, sad, came apart family. When we all got saved, we we're in a church and it was off to a great start. And then things went haywire. I won't even go to the long, gory story. And well, yeah, I stayed in church because I was made to stay in church. Parents. And I have to tell you that as time went on, I got to a place where I didn't want to go to church. Honestly, and I got in big trouble for this one day. I told my parents, I hate church. And 
what I didn't hate church. I hated our church and what was going on and the way people were and there was no life and the guy up front's yelling at me and never left there feeling good. Mom made me dress right, you know, button the top button. Don't get dirty. You know, all, all these things. Don't talk, hold still. Sing. Yeah, it was, just, it was just all this. And I've made up my mind that when, quote, the optional age came, I'm out of here. And I'm not going back. Thankfully, God had other plans for me. And I started to see, I started to see real believers. I got involved in, a, in church done right. And it changed my life. And we are so committed we're not perfect, but we are so committed to do church right. Because I believe God's plan A is church done right. And church done right is the hope of the world. That's why it's God's plan A. Okay. But let's think a little bit further. Church, what is church? And I believe this. There is, there is a big C church and little C church. Let's talk about little C first. How many of you know that church starts with C? Okay, just making sure we got everybody up to speed. Little C Church is here now, local bricks and mortar. You're here today in these four walls. We're here, little C. Now, this is going to correct a little bit of our thinking because most of the time we think of, what are you talking about, big C, little C? There's only one church, Church of Jesus Christ. Big C, here we are. Okay, but I'm just, I want to talk about little C. Little C's here. Right now, we're in little C. Okay, church. And it's God's plan for us to be here. It's not big C, it's little C, but it's vital. What does vital mean? Life depends upon it. As a matter of fact, we say around here that church days, and that's little C, they affect the rest of your days. So out of the original Greek, Hebrews actually says, get your tail here. It doesn't say that. It doesn't. It doesn't. But it says they get here. All right. So little C church, church days affect the what? The rest of your days. Can I go ahead and, and head there? Little C days, church days affect your big C day. So what's big C? Big C is all of God's people. All the people that are following him, growing in him, truly belong to him. It's their 24 six life. Did you get that? 24, six, it's the other day. What kind of plan would this be to save the world one hour a week, one day in one building? It ain't going to happen. And for too long, we've thought big C and that's the only time I behave. And we come and we do all the Jesus stuff, big C, one hour on Sunday. And no, no, we're confused because this is little C. Everybody say little C. This is little C right now. But what this is, this is vital. And the Bible says, get yourself to little C so much more as you see the day approaching. Because you got to be big C. When you go out in just a little bit, we're going to crack these doors and you're going to leave. And little C turns into big C. Do you know what big C is? It's God's people everywhere. And I'm going to tell you what they're to be carrying. 
and what's to be going on in their life. That's God's plan for the world. Church done right. Little C, church done right. Big C, guess what God has? He has his people everywhere. Everywhere. Now, this fires me up. Church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ, when Jesus was in the earth, he did what he did. He wants his body to do what he did when he was here in his body. And he is the head over all things to the church, which is his body, scripture tells us. So he wants us to not just do what he did. He's wanting us to do what he directs us to do. So God's plan A is little C, yes, church done right. And it's God's plan A is big C, done right. And here's what happens. He's got believers everywhere, everywhere, more and more coming to wholeness, more and more happening in their life, truly following him. And everywhere they go, they are salt and they are light and they are sugar. Now I added that one, but I believe it's got to be there. Because some people, I'm just salt. No, you are just salty. I'm just light. You are blinding. I think the people of God carry a, a, a graciousness, a kindness about them. Dallas Willard wrote a book called The Gentle Allure. There should be something so intriguing, so mis- such a mystique, such a magnetic something about God living in a person who's walking in the peace of God, the favor of God. There's something that will draw people to that. So I'll probably say it again before we leave here, but in a little while when these doors crack and we go out, okay, we're turning into big C. That does not mean that you go out of here frothing at the mouth, wild-eyed, screaming prophetic things at people. I'll tell you what it means as, as we go along this morning. Let's look in John chapter 1. I got to tell you something. I've been preaching this morning. I just, I, I feel it. So, all right. I am enjoying the ride. John 1, 14. And the word, and we know the word to be Jesus. John 1, 1 helps to clarify that. And the word became what? Flesh and dwelt in the temple only. Hmm. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father. Help me. Full of grace and truth. Let's look at it in the message. Paraphrase. The word. I love, love this. The word became flesh and blood. Read it with me. And moved into the neighborhood. Let's read it again. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one of a kind glory. Like father. Like son. Generous inside and out. True. From start to finish. Is that beautiful? Now, here's what God wants. God's plan A. God's plan A, little C. God's plan A, big C. Is to have a people that are full of grace and truth. Full 
of grace and truth. Everybody say it. Full of grace and truth. Now I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, okay? And I want to go ahead and tell you the answer. Here's the answer. Full of grace and truth, okay? I'll ask a couple of them, two, three of them, and that's going to be the answer. And I want you to get the answer right. So you can get a right grade, okay? So the answer is full of grace and truth. Cram it into your short-term memory and we'll have it here. All right, I want you to think about this with me this morning. This is called the incarnation. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God put on flesh, up close, personal. There he is. Think about this. Here's the question. How did God put on flesh, became Jesus? How did he enter and interact into a pre-Christian world? Now think it out with me. God came, put on flesh, entered a world and interacted with a world that was pre-Christian. Jesus didn't show up in the first place he went was a book signing at the Christian bookstore. Are are, are y'all hearing me? There was zilch. There were temples, there were types and shadows foretasting what what would come. But this is a pre-Christian. Christian world, immorality, terrorism, corruption, rampant disease, an upside down world. And he didn't come in with a machete and a sledgehammer. He entered and he interacted. How? Full of grace and truth. The people who liked him the most were the people most unlike him. He was with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the sinners. The people he had the most issue with were little C people that thought they were big C. Scribes and the Pharisees and the religious puffed up people. And if he came into the world and entered and interacted in a pre-Christian world full of grace and truth. What does he want for us? He wants us to be full of grace and truth. Okay, think about this. How do we then, how do we enter and interact in a post-Christian world? Full of grace and truth. truth. Some of you would probably choke on that. What do you mean post-Christian? We are still here. (laughs) Yes, but there's phraseology out there right now. And I have to agree that the place of influence, the platform, the central focus that that Christians once had in our country, in our world, we don't have it anymore in politics. We don't have it anymore in media. We don't have it anymore in education. We don't have it anymore in the marketplace. We don't have it anymore like that. Beyond that. Studies show, recent surveys show, over 70% of people in the United States consider themselves a Christian. However, when put to a, uh, a test, and uh, Barn Institute did a survey of over a quarter of a million people, totally done right. They did a 15-point metric to test where are you at. 
You say you're a Christian. Do you do these things? And there's 15 metrics to kind of to show that. And the findings of it hurt. Because we say that we are, but we don't pray. We don't read. We don't go to church. We don't share these things. Uh, he has nothing to do with our finances, our decision. And what happens is it's post-Christian because it's actually like practical atheism in a way. Where, where we say we believe, but we live no different than a person who doesn't have God in their life. Now I say we, not speaking for all of us. Okay? And so what needs to happen here is us to realize that in a world that no longer, Christianity no longer has the, ta-da, open up the door, here comes the Christians. No longer do we have that place, but look at me, God is not done. Because God has a plan. And his plan is this, do little see right. So that those people are full of grace and truth. So that when you open up the doors and they go outside and live their 24-6 life, Big C has got it going on. And they're everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. When we come here, this is is the barn, y'all. That's the field. And when we come in here, we're going to fix your tractor. And we're going to fix our equipment and get this. This is where the team meeting is. This is where the pep rally is. We've got to get out of our mind. Big C, there we are. I put in my hour. And then we go and live. And listen, I'm not cussing. I'm just saying this. And then we go and live like hell. No different than anybody else. You are undermining God's plan A. So people that belong to God, plugged into God, they make their way to little C. And they get trained and they get corrected and they get instructed and they get encouraged and they receive impartation and they come in here and their joy gets restored and they realize we can and who we are and who he is and what this is about. And then you go out there, big C, full of grace and truth. Everybody say it, full of grace and truth. Living out our everyday lives. Grace here has to do. With to be gracious, generous, kind. Truth here has to do with principled, confident, centered, settled. You can hold conversation with somebody that believes polar opposite than you. And you can be kind and confident and centered and settled and hang on and gracious and gentle and kind. That's how he did it. And we do it with our everyday lives. That's what big C is. It's our everyday, genuine, authentic lives at home, in the market, in our neighborhoods, at our jobs, in garages and salons and gyms and offices and factories and fields and hospitals and streets and all the places we would go. God's plan A is to have a people, a big C people, a little C people that are full of grace And full of truth. Amen. Amen. Let me move to one other thing. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Just as our bodies have many parts. And each part has a special function. Each part. This is you. Has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other. Watch this carefully. In his grace. Everybody say grace. In his grace. God has given us his different gifts. Say gifts. 
for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, now it's going to be a little list here. Prophesy really here does not mean that you can foretell the future. Okay. Uh, this really has to do with being able to speak an inspired word in a moment. And it can happen here, little C, and it can happen there, big C. If God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, let me mention this. Every time Paul starts to list gifts, the list is different. He leaves out some things. He adds other things. Every time it's different. And I think the point is well made. If you look look at it carefully, there is no complete list. I don't think there are just nine gifts for the church. I don't think there's just 12 gifts for the, for the church. If you think that you're only thinking little C, there are certain gifts that he will use here, but I also believe he uses them out there. And the point is God has gifts for everybody. And what I want to point to you is this. He wants a people full of grace and truth. He also wants people that are walking in grace and gifts. Grace and truth, but grace and gifts. This word grace here has the idea of a power, an ability. God would grace you. He would give you. We just saw it. If it's serving, then serve well. If it's leading, lead well. If it's giving, give generously. Whatever it would be, he would give you the power and ability to walk out your gifts. And I believe everybody has gifts. You heard me right. I believe everybody has gifts. Plural. You are gifted. I'll tell them. You are gifted. Tell your neighbor. Tell him, tell him, I'm gifted. It's happened every service. Listen, this is what I hear. I'm gifted. (laughs) Nervous laughter. Nervous laughter. Nervous laughter. Look at me. Look at me. Get used to the idea God has graced you. God has gifted you. And stop throwing away his gifts or minimizing his gifts. Well, all I can do is cook or all I can do is play football or all I can do is all I can do. Hush. Because in big C, those gifts fit everywhere. Hey, what if you're a great softball player? Well, I can't use that for God. Tell me. You knock, knock one over the fence. You've got an audience, folks. That doesn't mean you call time out and get on the pitcher's mound and preach. <laughs> that means you live your life and you, you start to get inroads. God has a plan. His plan, he has his people everywhere full of grace and truth. He's got his people everywhere with grace and gifts. And you have gifts like nobody else has gifts. You have a unique, vital combination of gifts. It's you. It's your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your, your take on things, your twist on things, 
your education, your background, your personality, your story. Put your story in there. Well, I crashed in my story and then I went around the next corner and I crashed again. Don't you think God can use your story? Listen to this. I believe your biography helps shape your theology. The life you live, what you've been through. Don't you think God knew? Don't, don't you think God can redeem that and use that? Don't you know that his gifts and callings are without repentance? They're irrevocable. Yeah, but I did this. Yeah, but watch what God will do with what you did. He turns scars into trophies. And I believe the life you live, the story you have, the gifts you have. And I'm not telling you go blow it and see what God will do. I'm saying you already blown it. Watch what God can do. And cut it out. But think about this. Your biography, your life, your story. Help shape your theology, what you believe about God. And you're able to uniquely share something with people. I've never had an addiction issue. Many of you have. And God's seen you through it. You're going to be able to help somebody that I can't help directly. I go, well, I read once you should do this. And I believe God can do all things. But somebody who's walked through the valley of the shadow. They can look you in the eyes and say, let me tell you something. Your biography helps to shape your theology. This past week I was at some meetings. And there's a number of pastors. Gateway Church had gathered together. There were 14 pastors and some of their, and some of their senior staff. And I met a number of wonderful pastors that are tearing it up across this country. One of them was from uh, Louisiana. Anybody from Louisiana? He's from New Orleans. I just loved his spirit. We had a dinner the first night. I just loved his spirit. And then I found out a little bit more about him. And I found out kind of why I was, I loved his spirit. When Katrina came through, their church got flattened. Nothing left but the concrete floor. And part of one wall. On which that wall, and it was still hanging after the storm, was the vision of that church. Don't you know they rebuilt? Okay. For many years, and through a very, one of my best friends who's known him for a long time. So he validated this story for me. He had a hard time seeing. He had serious eye problems where he could no longer drive. He could no longer read. He could see to kind of walk around and so forth, but could no longer read. He had to have people read to him, a pastor needing people to read to him and needed somebody to drive, drive him. And he, um, he and his wife spent a little season of fasting and prayer. And one morning he woke up and you guessed it. He could see. He went to his doctor and his doctor is a, he said, a Coptic Christian, Egyptian Christian in New Orleans. And he said, doc, after he checked him all out, he said, doc, was this because I changed how I was eating? I was fasting or or what is this? And his Christian doctor friend said, my friend, this is the hand of Jesus. 
So in one of our meetings, he led in prayer. And it was the most fresh, alive prayer. It stirred me. Most fresh and alive prayer. And when I put it all together, I understood why he prays fresh and alive prayers. Because when the hand of Jesus reminds you in a storm, you will rebuild. And when the hand of Jesus touches your eyes and they can see again, your biography helps to shape your theology. Amen. Amen. Now I got to wrap this up. God has a plan. God's plan A. How many of you know that God's plan A is going to work? And his plan is this church done right. Church done right. It's the hope of the world. Church done right. Little C we're going to do it right. And church done right, big C, in a few moments you turn into big C. And when you go out, you go out full of grace and truth. You're gracious, you're generous, you're kind, but you hold your head up. We're not the welcome mat for the world. We're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. But we carry ourselves in confidence Centered, settled, principled, but generous, gentle, kind. And we all have a story, and that story qualifies us to go to the places where God has you now. And I feel impressed to say this. God wants to use you where you're at now. That may not be where you will always be. That job, that neighborhood, whatever, that may not be. So stop whining about where you are now. Stop pushing so hard to get to another place and maybe just slow down a notch and say, God, how do you want to use me? Big C, where I'm at, where I live, where I work, where I'm at right now. Because God may just have you on assignment just for a little season. And don't you miss it because you're saying, well, why am I here? Why am I here? You're going to miss the bus and you're going to end up there a long, long time. But let's be a people that are full of grace, living out our gifts. And here's what happens is you are so plugged into God in that way. That's what belonging is all about. When that happens, you will be more and more happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. And then think about the people around you. They're going to see. They're going to see the goodness of God. They're going to see the peace of God. They're going to see the love of God. And then think about God. Okay. Think about God. He's going to be getting glory for this. He's going to be getting attention for this. And you know what? And he's going to be drawing more and more people to himself. And it all goes back to this. He paid a dear price to ransom you where he said, you are mine. The apostle Paul said, an angel of the God whom I serve and who I belong to appeared to me this night. He knew that he belonged to God. I belong to God. You belong to God. We belong to one another. We belong to the little C church and we belong to the big C church. When we leave here in just a few moments, I want you to go full of grace and full of truth and with grace and gifts because you and I and all of us together and everywhere he takes us, we're part of God's plan. A. Amen. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this this morning? Thank you. Lord.